Well, my son had uh, a little bit of a fever recently, and, uh, you know, our thermometer worked fine. We had one of those thermometers, you know, with the... uh, I'm sure when people designed it, they thought this was the perfect interface. They were like, we're just going to have one button. Use the one button for everything, right? And, And it takes a little while to figure out that, I guess it does work, that you use one of these electric thermometers... Uh, you press the button, and the display comes on, and you stick it in the kid's mouth, and then you wait for it to beep, and then they're done. But I just feel like I feel like there should be just an on and off button, right? Like, even if the off button doesn't actually do anything, I just feel like I need to know when to turn on. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. Well, it's related. I, I was, we were discovering that I needed, you know, we needed to get a new thermometer in case this one uh, poops out. Um, as it were, actually, it's, it's not a rectal thermometer though. And, uh, so I was proactively buying a new thermometer down at the CVS and they had one that operates with your phone, I guess, so it can save the temperature on your phone. But get this, I would have bought it. It was like $5 more. It requires a headphone jack, which I no longer have. So, <laughs> oh, so, so I was fucked by Apple. Android is- Android is locking up the the rectal thermometer market. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's. It could have been multi-use. I don't know. And then, and then also after, this. <laughs> it, it stops being multi-use after once. And then, and then, <laughs> so I I had this notion in my head that I should go see what all the the Bluetooth and uh, iPhone and medical devices are. And there's of course the uh, the blood pr- pressure one, which I I don't feel like that's a pressing need. Uh, I'm basically just trying to feed stuff into my health kit dashboard. Uh, right. Uh, and then there also is a blood test one. And I looked at it and then I remember that in order to do a blood test, you have to extract blood from your body. So mm. I was out for from that. So I don't know. I feel like I've got a scale. I'm not going to be able to fill well, out my I, dashboard. I feel much. like I, I want to give you like what I consider a parenting pro tip on thermo- on the thermometer. Right. Uh-huh. Is they sell this one and it is expensive. So but we got it where you can take the temperature by um putting it in your child's ear. Now, let me explain why this is important. That when your child is asleep and you're like, and maybe you and your wife are having the conversation, I don't know, like, should we wake him up? Is he too hot? Like, is it normal? What's going on? You can actually just take the temperature without waking them up. You know, like most, a lot of children, they sleep through anything. So you can just put the thermometer in their ear while they're asleep, Mm. check that it's good, right? Get like a quick sanity, like, you know, it's sort of like, it's like a unit test. You just run it up. Yep. Everything's good, right? We don't have to wake them up. Everybody feels good. We yeah. get like the dashboard update. So I, and of course, it's just a lot easier to just, you yeah, know, you yeah. Just can't do that with the rectal thermometer. Yeah. You don't want to be doing it. So that's my uh, recommendation. I like that. that. It does like not, that. the one that um I have not found like a Bluetooth uh, one uh, or anything like that. I'm sure they exist, but I recommend the in-ear uh, thermometer for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we do have one of those, but I think the battery was out. And of course, of course, Oof. it has yes. one of those those OXO ergonomic, you know, handles if you're arthritic. Yes. And yet they use some funky flat battery from Pancake yeah. Land, right? It's just like, can you just put a AAA battery in here, right? Yep. Like I don't understand. In there, yep. Yeah, and that's how it is. It is. It's like, and that's like the one thing you would actually prefer that did beep when it went out, right? You're like, yeah, it'd be really important to know that I would don't have this. That of course doesn't beep, but your fire uh, detector, which you don't really care about, beeps yeah. constantly. Now, now so, this yeah. this does. This is a quick usability issue there. For now, you. now batteries for mission critical equipment after hours. It is always an excuse to go see what they've been up to at Walmart, right? I don't, I don't, I don't get to Walmart very much. But they're often open 24 hours, and you go check out the scene there. See what – do you know they got a they, – they basically have like a self-checkout maze 
you can go through, which is charming. Well, I like that. I, I like their yeah. approach to it. The, the 24-hour Walmart people are, are the interesting bunch, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you might run into Guy Fieri every now and then, some, some other sort of pan people. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, one of his doppelgangers. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll mention some mid-rolly stuff later. But very before we get to our, our first and largest topic, I just wanted to mention that we, we, uh, we lined up another little advertising gig. From, uh, you might have heard them on other podcasts, maybe use them from our, our, our friends at Datadog. Now, I don't have any ad here, not actually getting paid for this, uh, but I wanted to solicit from you, the listeners, if you have any sort of like uh, questions or interesting stuff around Datadog, I was thinking like, you know, we can have our usual jovial, like, here's, here's this company and, and their logo is adorable kind of value conversations that we'll have about about a sponsor but if you have some actual questions maybe we can send it back to them and uh, get you some uh, some feedback filtered through our uh, our crass delivery so send those over yeah. you know you can you can if you go to if you go to the software defined talk.com you can f- join our slack I, you know i'm starting to say for tasty meets paul we have our own slack we're not in the the other thing whatever that is uh you can send us an email through a contact form nothing is more enjoyable than sending an email through a contact. Does that thing work? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That totally works. I get, you email get all the that. emails, huh? I, I get right. I get no spam, but I get all the email. And uh, or oh. you could you could write us in uh, in the Twitters uh, and and whatever you like. But we'll see if that works out. So uh, so we'll we'll get back maybe next week to that. We'll see. But uh, so also not also. There's no segue. I just noticed this morning I was writing up some uh, trying to find figure out some show notes, thinking there's no news. And then there's there's a press release that our friends at Amazon, Amazon Web Services, have joined the uh, CNCF Music Factory, the Cloud Native Computing nice. Foundation. Is that right? Man. Cloud yeah, Native. Everyone can, can everyone can cloud now. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> now, first of all, first of all, uh, I read. I'm interested in y'all's take on this. I read the uh, the press release and the the Cocroft, uh Medium post. I love how everyone puts stuff on Medium nowadays which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. And my impression, so there was a lot of conversation about how X above 50% of people in some surveys run their Kubernetes in AWS. So that's good. And then, and then Cocroft was talking about like, you know, contributing and already contributing to uh, some open source projects. But is that, should we read this as strong support for Kubernetes by Amazon. I think there was an allusion to like some products maybe coming out, but there was no, in true cloud native fashion, no roadmaps were, were uttered about things. Yeah. It's hard to tell, right? I mean, is this, you know, foundation washing or, or not? I think, uh, I'm, I'm in the, the, uh, uh, what was they say? I'm from Missouri, right? I, I wait to see, um, you need to show me that this is actually something meaningful. I mean, if you're as big as Amazon, you know, throwing some money at, at a foundation to join it is not really a big deal. Um, you know, I mean, it is nice that they've joined, uh, well, let's see, NCSoft, Ticketmaster, Vivo, and Zalando, um, which, you know, that's a, a Kubernetes power group. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think this is that important. Um, I think, you know, if, if we see a big announcement at reInvent, um, that will probably be more telling. And so I think we look for it there. That's only, what, two months away, something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, Amazon is big enough that they could throw this into their mix and you know, nobody would, would think you know, twice about it. Uh, 
It's not a good pick. So I think it's just like <laughs> I, I would kind of. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, Matt. I think it's just a, a hedge, right? But I do think this yeah. is the precursor for the big announcement. Like normally, the way you do these things is you will jo- kind of like join the not quietly join the foundation, but just kind of you know join the foundation, put out a press release, and then you'll save like your real interesting announcement for your big event, right? So like absolutely, I think AWS there's going to be. You know, there's going to be some big announcement. Then we're going to really know, though, like, is it on an equal footing with Amazon's container? You know, like, is it sort of going to replace it? Is it just uh, another way to do it? Which I tend to think is what they're going to do, right? They're just going to say, you can have either option, right? You know, if you like what we have, keep using it. If you're in a cube, it's going to be available. Um, And then they'll just let it play out over time. But I do think the, you know, if we think about, like, um, Amazon as having this giant lead, right, and then kind of reeling them in the in this case the all of the other cloud um people were chasing amazon like this does kind of start to bring them back to the pack right like okay mm-hmm. you're gonna have to like you don't have all this figured out you don't have necessarily a huge lead in in kubernetes or containers it's not so in, you know starting that lead starting to erode right because i think that was that famous quote like from you know the AWS head and it's like we have like a five year lead or a ten year lead, but yeah, you know, you're yeah. starting to see it erode, right? It's like okay, I mean it is starting to come back to the pack a little bit, right? As well, new technology comes up, right? They don't necessarily have inherent advantages that maybe they did five years ago. But this also this also prevents anyone from you know sneaking up on them with Kubernetes play or something like that, right? I mean because you know we talk about you know these mega corporations with their you know gigantic wallets and you know. They're not going to get disrupted if they can co-opt everything within you know six months of any traction. Yeah. So so yeah, they have a lead. This just protects their lead. Yeah. No, I think so. But it, it just sort of I I mean, but I think it's one of these things. Probably everybody's happy about it, right? Like I think I mean like I know IBM like we're I guess we're happy, right? I mean, it just sort of like it starts to put us all on a level playing field. I think that's what I mean. That's the interesting part, right? It kind of brings them back versus like if everyone had adopted like their version of containers. Then that would be hard, right? Because they'd be yeah. like, oh, you know, that's another thing they've got that everyone's going to have to make some decision about. So that's, I mean, that that is an interesting part of it. So, you know, this, I mean, this 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 reminds me. Also, I think I don't. I forget if this happened right when we were recording, but uh, our our friends, uh, everyone's our friends around here, right? But uh, the folks over at Heptio, they they announced something official, right? I like I I went yeah. I went to go look it up, and it's their their arc thing, and so. So I have I have a uh, uh, a genuine and I don't think disingenuine is the right thing, but one of those like what's what's that? I have a I have just a straight up question and then an Andy Rooney question. If 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 your kids out there remember him, and and that is that that is so. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, well, let's be honest, Matt. I'm not sure if Brandon could comment on this, but it looks like they have basically what what Heptio uh, released was sort of this thing called Arc, and it helps you with like high availability or replication of your Kubernetes clusters or something, right? Which is right. which is to say, if you've got I don't know what do you what do you got pods and zones? I don't I don't have my Rosetta Stone of cloud handy, but you've got your your cluster data center cloud thing where all your stuff is running, and some some bed shitting occurs, and you're like, oh, I better make another bed really quick. <laughs> So that I, I don't have yes. a night capital situation or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if Heptio Arc is going to save capital. Well, I, you know, um, let, let, yeah, I, I hear what you're it's, saying. It's yeah, a it's, it's a it's an HA thing, 
right? It's an HADR recovery tool for sure. Kubernetes, right? Sure. And we, we can all agree on HA and DR. That's, that's great. Yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, the, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's, they are, you know, Heptio is working on, um, you know, Sonobuoy is their diagnostic tool. Heptio is their, their DR tool. And, and they're just trying to, you know, add those enterprise, you know, uh, Safety safety valves that uh, you know people will pay for in the enterprise to to take something that is you know hard to use perhaps or, or hard to manage and and tick off those check boxes for like well you know can we get twenty four seven support you know how how are you guys going to diagnose this stuff and then like oh we have Sonobuoy you know like well what are we going to do for for HA and, and DR what happens if we lose a data center we're like oh we've got that Arc thing like does it do LDAP you know you check that tick mark in your enterprise yeah. Um, so yeah, that's they're just uh, you know fitting into that niche of <clears throat> it might not be a managed solution, you know, might not be managed by Amazon, it might not be managed by uh, uh, you know Microsoft, but um, for the people who want to manage, you know, deploy their own Kubernetes, that's what they're they're plugging into that ecosystem. So so now now just uh, you know people who are listening to this, maybe they listen more closely than I was, but so now what does Sana Bui do again? Is it- <laughs> um, it's it's remote uh, remote um, sen- not I want to say sensing um, diagnostics right okay, so got it you know you, you you plug it in it's like yeah you know we ran some health checks on your cluster and this is happening and you know you've got you know too many pods in your nodes and and that kind of stuff right right it's it's checking as uh, as as the Casper. Which you can use the code "Hooray Matt Ray" if you buy a mattress to get fifty dollars off for. As as a, a commenter in the Casper thread said about the uh, the bed cover, how many loads can this cover take? Uh, and I think I think oh. I think I think so. It sounds like Sonobuoy is sort of like uh, checking out the current load level on your beds before before you need to use Arc or something. Good monitoring of how things are going, which is fine. Yeah. So I, I you know I woke up this morning and I'm just in this very cynical uh, mood. Uh, but I've got a cup of coffee here. Anyway, so here's my Andy Rooney bit, right? Is like All right, Andy Rooney. To, to reprise one of my favorite tweets of recent time, right? Like every time, I, I'm not going to try to do the Andy Rooney voice, but every time a new piece of Kubernetes news comes out, it makes me understand that I didn't understand how little Kubernetes did in the first place, right? Like, which is which is not so much, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of some shade throwing, but like, the idea that I would need a separate system to have sort of like HA, it like makes me wonder like, well, what is this Kubernetes thing doing, right? And when we had right. the, we had this discussion back with uh, what's the other funny named one, I- Isoto or Isotoner or whatever, uh, Istio, Istio, yeah. right? Which is like this sounds awesome. Right, like all you know, a way to specify. I mean, it, it it would sound awesomer if it talked about Spring and Pivotal, but whatever. Like this sounds awesome, like a framework for specifying microservices and running them and all this stuff. But then it's like, but like, doesn't uh, wasn't it doing well, that wasn't already? It already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should finally study up on. I, I should watch some uh, some some Kelsey Hightower talks and uh, and see what it does. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think what happened. Uh, is is Google released? You know, they released the engine. You know, where the rest of us were, you know, puttering around on internal combustion engines. You know, Google said, "Hey, I got this thing. It's it's called the uh, the Hyperloop." And you know, we don't have the the time to to put in the effort to make this thing enterprise friendly. 
But tell you what, here's some specs. You guys go build some Hyperloops and sell it to the Enterprise. And then, you know, everyone's like, you know, Kubernetes, yay. And then, you know, the Enterprise is like, where's my DR? <laughs> you know, how are you going to support this stuff? How are you going to do sidecars? How are you going to you know, make it user-friendly? Where's the IDE integration? All those things that, you know, most consumers of, of you know, software are going to want. You know, the people who are going to run it themselves and be the bleeding edge, you know, they, they were all hot to trot on, on Kubernetes, you know, last year, I guess. Uh, and now they're, you know, Google, you know, set this market up so they can, you know, they can ostensibly reap the, the benefits of it as well. But, um, you know, everyone had to, to fill in the rest of the painting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I, I guess, could... I guess it is, it is, I don't know. We'll see if this pans out, but it is a, it fits the pattern of tech disruption theory, right? A lower priced, lower capable, uh, substitute for current market leading things. Right. And so like, the 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 cost if you don't do your full uh, your full opex costing, but the cost is ostensibly zero, so mm-hmm. Bing fits that. And then uh, as we were just saying, it doesn't actually have all the capabilities of of the full stack, but let's but whatever. And then it kind yeah, of rises it's no up. And, and, right. and then and then I guess I guess just to play out this theory, like it is sort of like uh, all of the incumbent people would be like, ho, ho, ho. But it doesn't do all this stuff, so it must be BS. <laughs> and then three years yeah. later, they're like, ah, now we got to join that CNCF thing. <laughs> like three years later, here's Kubo. <laughs> but I, I do think you all of this circles back slightly to just the, the move to containers, right? I mean, there was the kind of eruption of Docker. The industry, at least at the moment, you know, seems like it's unstoppable, wanting this desire to move and package everything as containers, which then opened up the... You know what are we going to use to orchestrate it? Which is where I think Google's is like, hey, we got we got this thing, right? I mean, and that's why I kind of get thrown out there. And now we're just seeing, you know, as uh, as we're going to talk about, I think Cote on the paid podcast, we're seeing the full effect of the the hype cycle and where you know where things go, right? So Kubernetes is probably very close to the height of uh, inflated expectations, maybe, right? And it'll. You know, take a couple years to to kind of wind through that whole hype cycle to productive use. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's. I mean, it, it's all kind of fitting the pattern. But it it is. So, so let. Uh, what would be a good source? Because I've read a few overviews of Kubernetes. Right? Maybe maybe our friends at the uh, Gartner Technology Professionals have a paper. But but it'd be good to read like a paper that's basically like here's what the thing does and here's what the thing doesn't do. Uh, so that that would be nice. Maybe there's an O'Reilly book. I should look into that. Uh, the, uh, yeah, there is a Kubernetes up and running, and the question is like, how fast does it go out of date? Mm. Right. I mean, you know, last week we didn't have, or you know, last month we didn't have uh, Arc and Sonobui, and you know, two months ago we didn't have Istio, and you know, so things move things move quickly. Yeah. So I guess what I need to go do is find some uh, some talks of people who have used it and see. I guess cause that's probably if 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 my if if my notion is correct, most of the Kubernetes talks would be about uh, Kubernetes in production talks would be about what we did to fill in the gaps for these things, or mm-hmm. we didn't care about, about the gaps, and then that would give not you our a, problems. Yeah, yeah, that would give you a good uh, introduction. Well, there you go. Well. Yep. I, I think I think we've cul-de-sacked ourselves on that. Amazon finally on <laughs> on the Kubernetes uh, train. 
<laughs> little unclear if there's going to be a product coming out of it, but it seems like uh, there will I be a so. product. I yeah. think we can, yeah. we can rest assured. AWS reInvent to Las Vegas. Yeah. Some big uh, announcement. Yeah. Probably it, it, lots of people from uh, the Cube community there on stage talking it up. Mm-hmm. Is there already a uh, EKS, uh, you know, Enterprise Kubernetes or whatever? Yeah. All we need to do now is figure out the product, yeah. product name. Yep. Of course, it'll probably be like you know Amazon doormat or something. We gotta we gotta take a take a take a page from the old school book and call it E Cube with like a lowercase e. Yeah, yeah. Cube prize. Internetes. <laughs> oh, internetes. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, speaking speaking of speaking of astounding revelations. Uh, I, we, we have a couple new little DevOps days deals for you in, in the mid-roll section here. Someone, someone was wise enough for uh, DevOps Days Kansas City to send, send me a discount code, uh, which is, oh. if, if you want to go to DevOps Days Kansas City, it's September 21st and 22nd. I will be there. Uh, I, I think I'm giving one of the, the opening talks. Um, but anyways, if you use the code SDT2017, you'll get some kind of discount. Now, the second thing this person was wise about is they told me twice to write the dates in the show notes, which is why I know what the dates are. Now, Devoted in- listener. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So you can register for that September 21st and 22nd, DevOps Days, Kansas City. I'll be coming from China, so I'll probably be tired. Hopefully my GI tract will be in good shape. And uh, it'll be SDT 2017 if you want to register for that. Also, there's DevOps Days Nashville coming up. Uh, and if you use the code 2017 Nash DevOps Days, you get $25 off. And that's October 17th and 18th. And uh, I'll be there as well speaking. I think that's the one where oh. I am going to do some keynoting. We'll have the pivotal table there. You can come get uh, – we got those little stick-on things you put over your webcam so people can't spy on you, uh, like oh, in some that. Black Mirror episode. Um, Watch out for that in China. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what our fearless leader said. They've got cameras in all the hotels everywhere, so you got to. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably been on them. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, and uh, you know, also that week I'll be at uh, well, the week of DevOps Days Kansas, I'll be at DevOps Days uh, Riga in Latvia. Um, if you want to check that out, I don't have any discount codes for that. That's fine. And and uh, next week I'm going to be speaking at two events here in Austin. I'm going to be. They have, I think it's the Cloud Austin meetup. Uh, and they have like uh, they've got a bunch of little lightning talks, and I'm going to do a lightning talk that'll be my first uh, trying to put my shit together about what what DevOps, cloud native, and enterprise architects do when they all walk into a bar together, uh, and and how enterprise architecture pans out with that for five minutes, and then and then if five minutes that wasn't enough for you, uh, and once you get over that kind of like I ate too much free pizza hangover on Thursday, I think it's on Thursday. I should probably check August seventeenth. I'll be giving a longer talk at the Austin OpenStack meetup on the same topic. So uh, I've got, you know, a few days to finally figure out what the answer to that is, or at least to make some good slides. Sounds good. And as always, if you're interested in coming to the uh, the Pivotal Conference, Spring One Platform, that's December 4th and 5th, there'll be all sorts of cloud native stuff and people talking about how they're, uh, they're doing their programmable businesses and things like that. And I've got a discount code for that. It's S one P 200 underscore Cote to get $200 off. And you can always go to the, uh, the show notes, software defined talk.com slash one Oh two to find all these discounts, including that one hooray, Matt Ray to get $50 <laughs> off mattresses. See that they really, they really did a good job there. They gave us this ludicrous code 
and it's just too fun to say. But how about yourself, Matt? <laughs> what uh, what what's you got I any was, any I, updates I, to your tour? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, first of all, I represent that that ludicrous code. Um, but yeah, uh, tonight, if we get this thing out fast enough, I'm at uh, AWS uh, security meetup here in Sydney. Uh, next week, we got the Sydney Chef Meetup hosted by Amazon. Uh, the week after that, I got the Sydney Cloud Native Meetup hosted by Pivotal. Uh, the, the day after that, I've got AWS Sydney North Shore User Group uh, for uh, those of us who can't make our way across the harbor. Um, getting into September, I'm in Perth. I'm in back in Sydney for the Azure Meetup. October, I'm in Brisbane, and I don't even know which meetups or which. Uh, which uh, DevOps days I've headed to, but I'm thinking Singapore, New Zealand, and uh, uh, probably another one or two before the year's over. Mm. I'm, I'm everywhere. Yeah, just make a dartboard out of that map, and you're probably going to be there, as long as it's not <laughs> the middle of the ocean. Well, you, th- this... now, it sounds like you should just have one at the uh, the airport. Like If people are at the airport, they should just like see if you're there and just like swing by and do a quick, quick yeah. DevOps yeah, I, I have run, I've run into people at the airport that I started to, started to have strong opinions about which Qantas lounge is, is the nicest. And, I was gonna uh, say we sh- you should have a DevOps sock in a Qantas lounge. Like you know maybe maybe <laughs> pick one out, pick your favorite, and just like run one. Be like, hey, come on in. You know, everyone, you know, I'm here. Well, Wellington is mighty fine, but uh, it's gonna be hard to get you know people into the international <laughs> Qantas lounge of- in Wellington. For a lot of consultants flying around, you know, so yeah. you know, give it a shot. You know, I once run, ran into our friend JJ, he of the uh, Delete SSH fame in, a, in an airport. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it was uh, DFW Terminal A. And uh, we went to go hang out at the Admirals Club. It was, it was, uh, it was a nice, relaxing time. He, I think they had – that was back when they had some of the red hummus. You could have that with carrots, mm-hmm. little cheese cubes. Uh, it's it's uh, sometimes sometimes I see people that I might know and I avoid them because you know I just want my quiet time. <laughs> but, but that guy, but, but not JJ, yeah. not JJ. I'll hang out with him. You know, he's always got a game on him, so we could at least play some games. So uh, you know that re- that's that. I, I had sort of like a uh, a thought lording topic. Speaking of all those okay. those 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 conferences. So I, I was talking with uh, with someone yesterday morning, and they were just getting some background on ideas for conferences and articles about, like, DevOps. And uh, basically the question this person had was, like, are there any new topics in DevOps, right? Or is it just the same topics over and over again? And, uh, I mean, I think I spent, like, 60 minutes telling him there's no new topics. So <laughs> now, now – let me drain the swamp for you and and hit every cul-de-sac. Wait a second, this cul-de-sac we can explore. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always like you know, there's there's uh, you go one way on my street and you go to the one street that goes out to the big street, so to speak. But there's another way you can go out my street, and if and if you turn too soon, you go to a cul-de-sac. And I got to tell you, every time I go that way, I'm in the cul-de-sac. That's sort of like I guess how it works out. But uh, you know, I, I did tell him I think. Um, I think stories of actual normal companies doing this stuff is kind of novel and interesting. But yeah. beyond that, like there's not really that much new going on. But I don't know. What, what do y'all think? Do you think, let, let, you know, let's not just limit it to orthodox DevOps, but, you know, the whole like doing software in the new way, we want to be unicorns, cloud native, blah, blah, blah. Like just that whole DevOpsy type of thing. Like are there, uh, there any, any new topics there? Or are we just, are we just perfecting what we currently have. Um, I mean, I don't want to, you know, 
I don't want to toot my own horn, <laughs> but but I, I do feel like this. You know, so so right now I pretty much have three talks that I go around and give. Um, and when I'm talking about compliance, that is actually something that most people aren't talking about. And um, yeah, yeah, and you know, we've <clears throat> ever since since we came out with with our open source project Inspec, we've seen other folks, you know change some of their marketing materials um, to reflect like this is actually kind of important and you know it doesn't matter how fast you're going if you know if you're not SOX and PCI compliant or whatever um, so I think that is you know kind of a new wrinkle I think you get um, you know probably every year or so uh, a new topic or so you know hops on the scene I mean you know right now of course there's there's you know, there's people talking about their uh, their container experiences. I feel like those are starting to slow down. Um, I feel like monitoring. I feel like monitoring's been done to death. But um, you know, there even though even though there's still some new interesting tools uh, coming on the scene, it's like you know it's kind of an evergreen topic. But uh, for those of us who have done monitoring, we're like, yeah, we remember talking about this. But you know, it. it I'm sure you experience this as you go to you know, all these different DevOps days. Things that you think are kind of played out are still new a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. As the audience expands, the topics become fresh again, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, how, so how about yourself, Brandon? When you look out there on the, uh, the 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 conference circuit, maybe the articles being written. Like, are there are there new exciting things in this space? Like, what what's uh, what's the fresh stuff? Well, I mean, definitely with you guys on like, you know, this is just part of, you know, living in industry where what they say in politics, like in communications, like when you think you've like said your message to the point that, you know, you can never say it again, only then are you breaking through. So DevOps is definitely in that category, right? It's probably even now it's only breaking through to some people. But I mean, what is happening is I I do often like to use that uh, CNCF uh, like vendor landscapes slide, right? Because it gets updated. Whoever does it, you know, you know, kudos to them for keeping it updated. And, and you know, that slide gets bigger and bigger, you know, pretty much to every quarter. Um, and that just keep, and I think that's probably for people that have been in it, as we've just kind of had this conversation about Kubernetes, is like trying to figure out what you're trying to do and then which of the various open source projects or vendor solutions you want to use, I think that requires, that's just constantly changing, right? There's always a new project. There's always, and I think if there's any limit, uh, limiting factor to adoption, it's just that. It's the fact that it isn't all figured out yet, right? It isn't like, you know, Java 10 plus years ago or something where things kind of come down to like, you got three choices. You know, there's something where the it really starts to get solidified in the people's minds and then they can start to adopt and right, really, you know, see productive use quickly and um that's probably the the toughest thing about i think both you know developing products in this area marketing products selling products and you know just deploying it is is trying to keep up with that and figuring out just the conversation we had like does this product matter to me does this initiative matter to me does uh does the product i just bought or just uh, open source project i'm just using does it actually do what i think it's going to do and if not how do i you know figure out that deficiency right and you know and then of course you know, it's kind of Matt Ray's wheelhouse, but, you know, the whole DevOps pipeline, uh, you know, continuous integration, continuous development, right? I mean, I think that's constantly changing. Like, you know, no one yeah. 
you know, like everybody's tweaking that. Um, like it's almost like you're never done, right? You sort of like get it pretty good, but then you're tweaking it. You're adding a new tool, taking something out, automate, you know, as JJ would say, like automating something else, right? So um, I think it's a lot of work for, you know, people on the front lines. I mean, that that, yeah. that takes a lot of work to stay up with. So you've got sort of like the uh, the topics that fall under the umbrella of applied DevOps, right? Like actual, actually doing this stuff or, or scaling is the wrong word, but uh, mainstream DevOps, if you will, which... Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when I, when I was t- going over this 60 minutes of, of how to say no, um, like <laughs> I, I, I was thinking back to like the days of agile, right. And, and agile used to be like a whole, a whole hot and bothered topic. And then, and it, kind of, as you're saying, Brandon, like analogously, um, what happened is you had all of these enterprise agile things, right. Which right. is sort of like, if we want to apply, uh, agile more broadly, then, uh, we need to figure out how to do scale it up and do all this other stuff. And then you got all these, yeah. you know, scrum of scrums and all sorts of things like that. And then eventually everyone's just like, yeah, we're all agile. What's the next problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been doing agile all along. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. We, we have a stand up. Yeah. I mean, definitely run into a lot of shops that, you know, they say they're doing agile, but they don't want anything to do with DevOps. They're like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, we, we don't have time for that or, you know, we we don't want to, we I actually had someone the other day said yeah we don't want to talk to the ops guys I'm like oh you know this isn't going to yeah. end well um, you know uh, it's it, it is kind of an ongoing fight and and you know, there's there's still a lot of people who they know this is what they should be doing that you know they they hear you know they they've been reading you know the DevOps buzzwords and and all the media for two or three years and and they're ready. To, to go into it, but it's also, it's intimidating, right? Where do you start? Do, does this mean that you have to do CICD? Does it mean that, you know, you have to do uh, Kanban boards and scrum of scrums and all that fun stuff? Uh, yeah. How, how do you get into this? Yeah. You know, well, and I think, you know, the other thing that always, the, the limiting factor in a lot of these things is that, you know, business planning, like the CFO in, in stock markets, like are by definition waterfall processes, right? Like every business that I know of, you know, even, I don't know, Mary, you know, chime in, let me know if chefs differently. There's always going to be a, you know, okay, it's start of the new physical year, right? Uh, for your investors, whether they be public or private companies, investors, right? Someone's going to put out some earnings. Our goal this year is to make this amount of money, which is usually you know more than last year. And then they're going to break that into some quarterly targets. And you know, then people are going to say, "Well, how are we going to do that?" And that starts to like someone's going to try to start mapping some releases, right? So you always have this inherent, you know, waterfall thing, right? And then it's sort of meshing up against the you know, the desire to be agile or to use DevOps, right? Which is sort of like, we don't know until we know, or it's like, we're changing really fast and you're only going to predict two weeks out. And I think that's where like every company is trying to figure out how can I use this methodology, but it does need to fit into this overarching business process that we have, right? Like it can't live in isolation. So, you know, whether it's agile, whether it's DevOps, there's always that fundamental friction that's going on. And I think even like the CFO and, you know, CEO, not to like demonize them, I think that they would probably prefer, 
not to have to be beholden to these kind of um, you know uh, rigorous you know EPS and revenue projections. Um, but you know until someone comes up, if you will, for agile for the CFO, right, or agile <laughs> for whatever that is, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> You know, it seems crazy when you say it out loud, right? But that's really where, like, you need it to go, right? Because unless it gets to that level, right, you're always going to have, like, some fast-moving team that's, like, in, like someone's going to walk in and be like, okay, need some slides for the six-month plan. You're like, well, we're not really doing that. And they're like, oh, yes, you are. Mm. So, I mean, it just – you can't get away from that. We need, we yeah. need, we mean, need FI DevOps. Just throw the finance people in there. Get, get, uh, get, get those get finance that, yeah. guys on uh, – those finance folks on Kanban. Just Kanban. Uh, yeah. I, I believe the proper – Usage is to put the new thing in the middle so it becomes DevFinOps. DevFinOps. <laughs> DevFinOps. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I I don't know. Yeah, the, I don't yeah. know the can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would that would be but, great. But, yeah. you, you know the the one one of the uh, suggestions in my slide deck on this would be uh, what you should do is invite the financial analysts who cover you to your Trello board so that at any moment they <laughs> can, they can come in oh. and see how things are doing. They can. They can see your, uh, your how many story points you have and your burn down. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, you, know, you you essentially have you know, annual and quarterly themes, and you know you you put a bunch of uh, high level bullet points in them, and you work towards them, and you know it com- becomes more actual the closer you get to you know the two week sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still plan out you know annually uh, general themes i mean yeah i, I was about, <laughs> I was about to, like dive into how chef does things but you know we, we we definitely um we we have like you know annual and 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 quarterly goals and and our product roadmap does reflect that sort of stuff um but we we don't have like you know oh and you know on september 17th we will have this this and this it's more like you know this is what we're working towards in september and, you know, the release is going to be in, you know, have parts of that theme. And we plan to have as much of that done as we can. And by the way, at the end of next sprint, we'll have this. Right. And so it, you, you, uh, you kind of evolve over that. But what, what I don't like seeing is, is, you know, not that level of granularity where it's like, you know what, by the end of the year, this will all be automated. Yeah. You, you know, I, <laughs> I, I should, I'll, I'll never do this like all these things I should do, but it would be interesting to go see the, um, the the quarterly calls of of Facebook early on Google and um, maybe even Twitter now um, because my theory would be that these are companies that pretty much in no way make promises around roadmaps right like right. I don't I don't think nowadays Google is steady well I'm I'm leaping ahead as an example Google is steady state enough that basically they can be like yeah we're probably going to increase advertising by this amount right it's just like Everyone understands how Google's business work, and there's like the dancing robots over there. But like we understand the financially how things are going to be working out, so you can kind of like predict and model that, and, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, but yeah. like with a Twitter or a Facebook, and maybe Facebook is now at this, but early on they must have been like, "Hey, let me tell you what happened last quarter, and uh, you know our future plan is to do stuff that's awesome." Now we'll take some questions, uh, starting with the the woman from BOA. Right. Like, like, I, I don't imagine they could give very much forward guidance on 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 anything. Right. But I think that. you have to, like, separate the two things. Right. Like when businesses get big enough. Right. The you know, and this this kind of gets into the heart of like you can ask your questions like how much does Avil, Agile and DevOps or any of these methodologies truly matter? Because 
Like when money starts to flow in, like digital advertising is growing at a certain pace, right? And Facebook is, you know, uh, basically has everyone in the world using it, right? I mean, it basically has all the addressable or monthly active users. And same thing with Google, right? So in their case, it's like those ad products are pretty stable at this point. Like sure, they're tweaking them, right? But there's going to be a certain amount of spend that's going to Google and Facebook for digital advertising at this point. Right. Like almost if they did nothing, right? If they just literally let it sit there. I mean, for it would take a while, right, before things would really start to change. Um, like now contrast that with Apple, right? I think of Apple suddenly was just like, yo, no, we're just going to push out that iPhone 8, you know, probably till next year sometime. We haven't decided that would be a huge impact, right? Because it would, I mean, everyone kind of is just sitting here waiting for that. So I think you have to be real careful on like the business you have. And so you could almost say, you know, they're almost de facto special cases. Google and Facebook are de facto monopolies in their specific areas. The ad dollars are going to flow to them. But I do think like Twitter and Snap, when I've read their stuff or seen coverage of their earnings uh, calls, they are much more likely to t- point to product features, right? Because they're in a more desperate mode, right? Like, yeah, we got the hot dog thing coming out. It's going to be great. <laughs> Twitter's like, we got this live uh, video TV thing. It's going to be great, right? Yeah, because yeah. they really need to prove that they can do something. Whereas Google and Facebook are in very, um, you know, I guess what I'd call it, uh, enviable positions, right? That they probably could sit around for a couple of years and just, you know, count money. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all about the the annual recurring revenue. Where you know, even though even though that ad buy is transactional, it, a lot of it is just you know we're going to budget you know one point two million dollars to Am- to to you know Google advertising this year. You know, you don't think like, and then next year it'll be like, yeah, we're going to buy the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's none of this like, oh, we were waiting for this specific feature around our ad buy. It's just like. You know, here's our ads. Yeah, and I do think the places Facebook does seem to get aggressive is when they feel like they've been encroached on. Like they were pretty vocal about stories, right? They're like, "Yep, we're gonna add stories. We're gonna add them to all these platforms. Instagram's gonna do it." And I think I think that brushback definitely had an impact on Snap, right? In their oh, yeah. Yeah, How they are. Um, and you you, you Google... almost you almost expect these money counters to use your uh, your sort of little joke there to be many of their moves will be defensive, right? Like, mm-hmm. exactly. well, I'll just buy Instagram and destroy all these other people, <laughs> right? Like, and I'll, yeah. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just uh, do this thing over here, which heads that off at the pass. And, right. and, and, and I guess, I guess in, in the magical spreadsheets of evaluating the value of these companies, like there is some accounting for innovation as moat widening and, and being able to mm-hmm. defend things. And, and so you do have to kind of like, uh, prove to people that like we can defend ourselves, and here's here's some uh, some proof of it. Yeah. Some uh, what what do, what do they we call can... it? Like fire and power that that you can uh, rain down on people to to have them back off. Well, before we run out of time, before we get to the recommendations, now we've talked about this here and there that there's this notion. Uh, speaking of the Facebooks that like and the Amazons that we should redefine how antitrust works here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, pull an old uh, Netscape v. Microsoft on them or something. But it looks like, Brandon, you have done some extensive research into this current discussion. Can you just give us a, a brief overview to uh, kind of have, have get, get us educated on here instead of just wild speculation? <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's just, you know, as we talked about last time, there's kind of this growing 
uh, discussion. I think I'd throw Amazon in there as well. Amazon, Google, and Facebook sort of, you know, they all kind of get thrown into this category, not only of great tech companies that are growing, but like potentially attracting government regulation. And, you know, I was actually listening to like an, an investing podcast about some like traders and people that invest and like, you know, they do a lot of thinking kind of in a different way. Like, you know, if you're like, like who's the guy buying Best Buy? Like so, if you believe, you know, like their kind of thesis is like, okay, one trade you can make is like, okay, Amazon's going to own all of retailing. But if you you believe that that's not going to happen, or if you believe that's not going to come to fruition in like you know as big as it is, then you may be the person that is going to sit down and buy all of the traditional retailers. Like I'm talking about a stock, right? So buy Best Buy and buy Mm -hmm. all of your local retailers because – and so one of the things that they talk about, right, is – you know, we and I think you know this. You know, all of us, right? We think mostly about the technology and what's good for the users and what they're going to do. But the point that they were making is that when things get to a certain size, sometimes it's it really is the government starts to get involved, and you don't necessarily, as you kind of project out, you just think, well, Amazon will continue to grow, and retailing will continue to grow, and Facebook will continue to grow, and be all these things. But you don't necessarily think that. Whether it's actually a formal antitrust lawsuit or it's just regulation, um, it you know it's sort of like if you get to a certain size, you're going to get on the radar of Congress in some way, right? Yeah. And when that happens, and then in the investment world, they talk a little bit about like Vanguard, which has been, which is probably like it is the preferred provider of low cost index funds. I think they generally invented that category, but. So much money is now going into Vanguard, right? It's just like, wow, like what happens like if Vanguard owns like 20% of the stock market, right? Like suddenly that gets the attention of government regulators. And so, you know, all of this together, I just think is an interesting thing to to think about as technology goes forward. Like so, it may be classic disruption, like somebody will just come up with a better Facebook or Amazon, someone will defeat Amazon on the technological way. But it's also possible that, government and regulatory agencies start to get involved that really start to hamper these companies. And so like maybe the innovation that we think is going to happen either never comes to fruition or, you know, takes a lot longer. Like you could think of like another example would be self-driving cars. Like we all just kind of feel like the technology is going to be here within five to 10 years, but maybe there is some kind of government regulation thing that's prevents it, that kind of stifles it for the next 20 years. Right. And they're not things that I think we think about as much on the technology side. Um, but they also often are as impactful or more impactful than just like a disruptive entry by another technological company. Hmm. That's good. That's good. So summary buy best buy stock. Is that, is that, is that, is that what the advice was? <laughs> well, I think it's definitely I you know, I I do it's interesting to listen to investors because of you you know, cuz they are always thinking of trade. So it's like I never really think about that. Like they always say like if you're if you're buying or selling, somebody on the other end of that trade thinks they're smarter than you, right? Yeah. So like if you're selling Best Buy, somebody's buying a lot a lot of it and somebody yeah. thinks really has so it's just interesting to think that through. And I do think the Amazon Amazon's probably the one – maybe Amazon and Facebook seem like the ones that right now we're tr- projecting so strongly in our minds. Like we've kind of come up with these narratives that they just can do no wrong and they're going to own their markets forever that like even if they just continue to do well but not as well, 
right? Um, that may not bode well from an investor standpoint, right? Yep. Maybe Amazon isn't worth, you know, maybe it's, I can't remember the exact number or whatever, however hundreds of billions it is, maybe it's only worth like half that, right? And it's like, it'd still be really valuable, but not as valuable. So if you think through like an, as, as an investor, it's an interesting way to think about technology. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It's, a, it's, it's fun to assist, you apply systems thinking to investment, competing theories and, and how you would uh, risk balance things out and I don't understand any of it. That's why I am a Vanguard customer. I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll let <laughs> yes. them handle it. But so uh, before we get to the recommendations, uh, Brandon alluded to this, but we have uh, well, first of all, to all the patrons out there who are giving us a dollar and more, I think we have sixteen or, or, or twenty now. I, I'm getting the amount of money we get every month and the number that are confused. But there have been several signups, and uh, if you want to help us out, uh, you can go sign up at, at Patreon.com/sdt. And you can sign up for as little as a dollar, which is a uh, dollar. Or you can sign up for more if if, uh, if you're feeling maybe you've got some of that crazy Amazon stock or something like Ooh. that, and you just want to uh, you, you just want to liberate having to worry about what to do with it. You want to use the net present value of the money as quickly as possible because it's going to be the most valuable now. And something about cash flow. Anyhow, yeah. if you sign up there, you can get access to our software defined talk members only white paper exegesis podcast which uh, we're going to record the fourth episode. And we just go over, uh, Brandon and I, and one day Matt Ray will be on. Uh, we go over, uh, Brandon and I go over a white paper, but more from the meta le- level of like, how is this constructed? What's it for? How should you evaluate it? What should you think about this paper? It's sort of like a, uh, I don't know, second or third year English literature uh, seminar, except it's got a bunch of old people who aren't a bunch of 20-year-olds <laughs> who think they know what they're talking about. Uh, With more swearing. Yes, much more swearing, much more swearing. We're all the skeevy old professor in the uh, the button down shirt with no undershirt on. That you know, everyone everyone knows okay. my dreams. Uh, so yeah, you sign up for that, and uh, we're going to be, as Brandon said, we're going to do one this week about the uh, the Gartner hype cycle for paths. Which I looked at it. I'm going to read it actually before we do this. I looked at it briefly. It has private paths in there. So finally, the logjam is broken. We'll we'll see where that is on the curve and. We'll explain our, the hype cycle and all that and all sorts of good stuff. But this week, recommendations. Matt Ray, what is your recommendation? Uh, so so I'm, I'm slowly trying to get into uh, spending more time heads down coding, being, you know, going back to some of my developer roots. And uh, I stumbled across this uh, really nice tool called EXA. It's a CLI replacement for LS, which sounds kind of boring. But uh, there, there's uh, there's this this interesting thing happening in the, the Linux community where uh, they're slowly rewriting lots of the old school tools. You know your LS, your grips, your you know those sorts of things. And instead of rewriting them in C or C plus plus, they're moving to to Go and Rust and you know kind of modern languages. So they're they're all getting a, a nice uh, rebuff. And uh, X is pretty nice. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Hopefully, the, the next project is whatever the fuck said in awk is. I tried to figure out how to use that once, and I was like, "I was like donuts to dollars." This is one of those like LSD mind blown hippies who ended up like in programming who wrote this stuff. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Like the intention good. sounds so good, and you try to learn it, and you're like, "Ah." I, well, well Kutzen, there, there's there's an O'Reilly book that is uh, that is unlike, a, unlike the Kubernetes book. I bet the Ock O'Reilly book is evergreen. Yeah, yeah. I I actually <laughs> read that book, and that is why I have strong feelings. 
Like I, it's, I don't know. Ooh, I don't there's know. a second edition. Said an awk. And then, and then all this Unix stuff like only operates on the line level. And you're like, I got, I got a whole fucking file. What am I going to do with a line? Uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, they have videos to go with it too. Oh, great. oh man. Hopefully they're going to show up at velocity and, and someone's going to give a talk on said an awk. And they'll be like that Kote guy. Maybe he just can't yeah. learn. Uh, anyhow. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, I'm sure it's beach season, so if you're looking to uh, just fill your mind with some relaxing uh, reading or listening, as I like to say, I just finished actually two books, uh, Sleeping Giants and Walking Giants. It's a little sci-fi trilogy called The the Themis Files. I'm not totally sure if I'm saying that. So Sleeping Giants is book one. Walking Giants is uh, book two. So if you want to hear how, uh, you know, how the world is uh, invaded by uh, robots and what happens and, you know, listen to some uh, fun, exciting action. I would definitely recommend those uh, two audiobooks. They're written in the format of like, I think um, World War Z did this, where it's sort of like a, kind of a, um, each chapter is almost like an interview. So it comes across mm-hmm. as a really good audiobook, right? So you're kind of listening to two people talk about what happened or what they're about to do. So it's uh, particularly good as, as an audiobook. So I like both of those. Easy reads or easy listens um, while you're at the beach, you know, getting your tan on before you have to start school in September. Mm, that sounds good. I'm always looking for some good fiction. I started, uh, I started that Warren Ellis book, Machine Gun Machine. I might have mentioned that. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. It's uh, it's it doesn't slip too much into cheesy science fiction. We'll see what happens. Well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you know how Brandon's review is in a year or two (laughs) (laughs) perfect so my my uh you know we haven't talked enough about costco so i've got i've got three costco recommendations one of them's tangentially one i was i was there at the costco uh very relaxing i took my son it's kind of like a little mini vacation uh we were there this past weekend and uh and and i got the last unit that they had of their st louis ribs or St. Louis ribs. And I just want to put a plug in for those. I'm pretty sure those are basically just meaty sugar on a stick, but man, they're delicious. They're, they're good to eat. You eat them hot, you eat them cold, you eat them later with French fried potato, whatever you like. They're, they're just, you always want to eat those. So buy some of those. Also, I finally, what, what, because of my, uh, my new dietitian, the, uh, the, the, the French, uh, Uber driver, uh, I, I, I feel like I can eat cheese every now and then. So I bought, I'm sure everyone has seen this at Costco. They have the three European cheese plate, um, which I've been eyeing for a while. And so I finally bought one of those. It has some sort of Gaelic Swiss cheese thing, some sort of soft pesto cheese. And one of those, one of those crunchy blue cheesy sort of things. Um, and yeah, it's good. You should buy that. It's it's as with all these kind of things, it's sort of more cheese than you would ever want to buy. Like, you know, there's also that Manchego wedge, which is always good, but it, it's really a journey to finish that before it goes bad. Um, and then finally, so they had some scallops on sale, like big old scallops, not these little. This is one thing I don't think HEB does so well. They should have more specials on scallops. But I bought a bunch of scallops there. So I looked up. I wanted to get a good uh, recipe. And there's a good recipe, of course, from Serious Eats. Uh, who always has some questionable grilling and barbecue advice, but that's fine. Uh, and, it, and it basically goes over how to cook scallops that are kind of like well-seared. And you should check that recipe out. It involves like salting and some fridge time, but then uh, they come out really well. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do anything weird or fancy. No lemongrass involved. 
So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. This is episode number 102. So if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 102, you can see the show notes for most everything that we've talked about, all the little discount codes, you know, your old hooray for Matt Ray situation. And uh, you can go there to find out how to join our Slack channel, sign up for the Patreon account to get access to the members-only podcast. And if you're out and about and see us somewhere, it's always nice to come up and uh, say hello to us. You can see how embarrassed I get when I have to talk to people in the real world. Uh, and, uh, you know, you say hello to Matt Ray. He, he has more poise than I do, and uh, perhaps Brandon. And it's always good if you, uh, you know, leave us a review in iTunes, do a little star rating. But more importantly, just uh, tell your friends about it. Or write us a note in Twitter to tell us uh, how many of those ribs you can eat in one setting. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. What I always want to read is stories about lottery losers. I drink an average of two beers a year, and neither of them is Bud Light. If I had time to take care of a cat, I wouldn't get a cat. I'd get a dog. Lots of hawks, blue jays, cardinals, owls. Not many robins or sparrows. Elephants. The sheep, the goats, pigs or cows, badgers, bulls, bears, beavers, bobcats, broncos, bulldogs. I don't care much for Brussels sprouts, liver or custard dessert. The beans are over roasted. I like steak, lamb and pork chops, but you couldn't make me eat rabbit or horse. Would a real man get caught eating a Twinkie? The coffee has a burn taste. Call me when you get to the office. Sometimes when I get up in the morning, I can't even remember where my socks are.